Welcome back to the SOS Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Smallwood, and you are listening to Episode 2 of Sharing Our Stories. Lisa Cron wrote, Story, as it turns out, was crucial to our evolution, more so than opposable thumbs. Opposable thumbs let us hang on. Story told us what to hang on to. I've been telling parts of my story this week to a group of writing friends. There are eight of us who share and critique each other's work, and we've also been taking turns sharing some of our personal stories, particularly related to faith. As I've listened to the other members of the group each share their own stories, I felt my heart knit together with theirs in a way it might not have if I was just editing their pieces. Through technology, I'm able to see their faces, hear the cadence of their voices, and listen to them share their stories. I don't know of anything more powerful than that. And this week, as I've shared mine, the words of the Lisa Cron quote have come alive for me as I've realized all the ways telling our stories point us to what's truly important and what to always hold on to. In this week's episode, I interview author and speaker Cindy Baltima. Cindy was a past guest on my original SOS podcast back in 2009, so it was an added bonus to catch up on all that's happened in her life since then, including publishing two books and becoming the executive director of an international ministry. Here's my interview with Cindy. Good morning, Cindy. How are you? Good morning. How are you, Melissa? I'm doing great. I'm so excited that you joined me this morning. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled. So 10 years ago, when you were on this podcast, um, we talked about exciting things um, that God had done in your life in the past, your overcoming addiction and getting you through a tragedy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would love if we jumped right into what God has been doing in your life in these last 10 years. You've published books. Um, you're leading an amazing ministry. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. It is hard to be, first of all, it is hard to believe it was 10 years ago. <laughs> I know. Crazy. That, that is just crazy. You know, God is always taking us on a journey, isn't he? And I have always just tried to be faithful to a God who has been so unbelievably faithful to me. So I would have never guessed 10 years ago, some of the doors that he opened, but Um, Yes, since that time, I was able to publish two Bible studies. Those are doors that God definitely opened. And then for him to call me to GEMS, which is a global ministry, changing the lives of girls all across the world. But most importantly, he's teaching me every day what it means to live and love like Jesus, whether that's in a, a publishing meeting, whether that's in a ministry meeting, or whether that's at home with my husband and kids. I love that. So tell us a little bit about the publishing journey and how that worked for you. Sure. I never thought that I would be a published author. You know, I just kind of thought a a girl like me with a past like mine um, wasn't really meant to write Bible studies. But I know now that that's a lie um, from the pit and that if God can use a donkey, he can use anyone. For sure. And, And so it's, it started, I just, I love, love, love God's word. And when I became a Christian at the age of 26 and fell in love with the Bible, I just said, anytime, anywhere, God, you want me to share your word, you lead, I'll follow. And I have to be careful. We all have to be careful when we pray because he's always listening and he is faithful and he answers prayers. And I soon began teaching a Bible study. It started with 14 women and it 
grew to hundreds of women. And I actually had a publisher that called me, uh, an international publisher that's located in Grand Rapids, Michigan, my hometown, and said, we keep hearing about this amazing um, women's Bible study, and we want to learn more and wonder if we can publish your material. So how exciting. Yeah, it was a door that God definitely opened. So what was your first book about? The first book was called Red Hot Faith, and um, it's all about not living a lukewarm life. Lukewarm is not our norm. From Revelation 3, um, the church of Laodicea, just think there's so many insights that we could gather from the lukewarm church that we can apply to our life today. So that was the first one. And then my second Bible study that came out in 2016, that was called Live Full, Walk Free set apart in a sin-soaked world, and it's on 1 Corinthians. Neat. And so you were, you had a very, um, you know, thriving ministry of, of speaking and teaching and writing, and then God called you to something completely new and different. For those women that aren't familiar with GEMS, why don't you tell us a little bit about the organization and then the story of how God brought you there? Sure, sure. Um, GEMS is a global ministry, and we um, serve girls here, there, and everywhere. This year, we celebrated our 60th birthday. So GEMS has been around for a while, and um, it's sort of like a Girl Scouts, but with a Christian um with the Christian backing. So uh, everything that you picture with Girl Scouts, the fun, the welcoming, safe environment for girls, badges, all of that. But GEM stands for Girls Everywhere Meeting the Savior. Mm -hmm. So in addition to all of the fun and girl-friendly activities, we want to make sure that every girl leaves hearing the truth about Jesus and his great love. And um, it's exciting. It's exciting to be a part of a ministry. I was just in California last week, just seeing all of the life change that's happening through clubs in California. And in two weeks, I'll be heading to Canada wow. to see what God is doing there. So it's, it's, just, it's just amazing to see what he's doing. And my girls both went to GEMS. Um, they went to two different churches that hosted GEMS, both on Wednesday night. Both were invited by school friends. So that's how I first started to hear about gems when my girls would come home on Wednesday night, super excited and would bring home the girl friendly magazines, sparkle for first through third grade and shine brightly for the fourth through sixth grade girls. And I was like, Oh my goodness, what an amazing ministry. And before long, they started to ask me to speak at some events as they would come to Grand Rapids so I actually was um, scheduled to be a keynote speaker at their annual conference mm -hmm. for 2017. And then at the end of 2016, as I mentioned, I released a Bible study. And so I just started praying, God, what is next for ministry? Like, I, I just, I have this book that's coming out. What would you like me to do next? And I kind of had these three different plans, like plan A was this, plan B was this, plan C was this, kind of like, Lord, which one do you want to bless? And then um, God did bring me to a plot twist because one night, and this is a, it's a weird story, but it's true. Um, in, in my sleep, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was the executive director of GEMS. <laughs> and <laughs> isn't that crazy, Melissa? And to be honest, when I woke up, I was like, oh, 
I don't know that I like that dream. God, I'm just looking for a project. Like I'm not looking for for a job. Like I like kind of working at home and working in my yoga pants. Yeah. And and so um, it took me a couple of days, but I finally said to my husband, my husband John, who's an accountant, so he's very logical and practical. And I was like, John, 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 I had this dream and I feel like I'm supposed to go work at Gems and I'm supposed to be the executive director and I don't really want to go work at Gems. I, my husband was like, Cindy, are they even hiring? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I don't even know. But my dream was so real. And I'm, I'm not really a girl that has ever had God speak to me through a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just kind of prayed and just took the next right step and reached out. And long story short, they were hiring an executive director. Wow. And when I saw the job description, that's when I was like, whoa, because all of the qualifications that they were looking for were all things that I had done in my previous life before kids um, when I had been on staff at a local mega church Mm -hmm. here in Grand Rapids. So it wasn't it's a crazy story with the dream, but it made a lot of sense when I looked at the skills that they were looking for and the things that God had allowed me to go through um, previously. So that's how I ended up at gems and now it's been two years since i've been a part of this ministry we serve about twenty five thousand girls around the world and it just blows my mind that i get to be a part of such an amazing ministry that is so cool um i remember when you came on as director of gems and um i just thought wow that's a perfect fit for her you know it's really exciting because as i was speaking and writing to women it would just break my heart to meet a woman like in her 60s that had believed such lies her whole life. And I remember in particular one time being in Indiana with this woman and who had stayed after a retreat that I had been teaching. So it was Sunday and I was kind of gathering my things and she was the last one there. And she was like, Cindy, I just can't do it. Like if what you're saying is true, then how come my dad never came to my birthday party? And she just wept. And here we had spent four sessions, three full days, opening God's word, looking at the truth of one's identity in Christ. And she just couldn't get past it. And I remember just saying, like, can you repeat after me? I am courageous. It takes a lot of courage to come and speak to a woman. Or I am strong. You have endured such things in your life. Or I am loved. And we looked at First John 3, 1, and she just kept shaking her head like she just couldn't get there. And I thought, wow, if we could get to girls when they were younger, because Barna says that our beliefs by the age of 14 are typically what we bring into our adult life. Correct. And so I remember thinking if we could just get to these girls before so that at 60 or 65, even when it doesn't feel right, they can stand on the truth of God's word. And then only God could bring me to a place where now I get to be a part of a team where we can help put together resources and curriculum to reach today's girls with truth. And give them that foundation. Absolutely. Gets me all fired up. (laughs) I love hearing you talk about it. So tell me a story from the past 10 years of how um, God has worked through a difficult time to bring you to peace about something. Well, that is a good question. <laughs> there are, there, I think, which year should I pick? <laughs> um, I, you know, I just believe as overcomers, we all know that we are overcomers in Christ and we don't become overcomers without things to overcome. And even though when people look at me or maybe they look at my Facebook page, I try to keep it pretty real and they, um, they see the fun that we have as a family or some of the crazy antics with my run, runaway dogs or whatever, <laughs> um, 
all of us have stories and all of us have things that we have to overcome. And I would say, you know, daily, I think for me, even just choosing each day to stand on the truth of God's word, um, it, it's a daily choice whether we will listen to the world or listen to God's word. And the story I think I would share, I could I could pick many, but I think the one that I will share is, is pretty authentic, but I think that women can identify with it. My daughters and I, we were just talking about it this, this past week. Um, and it has to do with, with weight. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that was a lie that um, one of those key core lies that I've had to overcome the lie that our worth is equal to our weight. And um, for me, that's what led to a lot of the, the poor choices and the self-defeating behaviors, drug addiction and such. And now I decide each day whether I will choose to stand on the truth that my worth and value comes not from who people say that I am, but from who God says that I am. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, it kind of came to a head because I, I can talk about it. I can teach it. I can blog about it but will I really believe it? And I ran into a woman that I hadn't seen for a while. And I um, saw her on a sidewalk walking on the road. And so I pulled my truck over and hopped out and said hello to her and gave her a big hug. And her first thought was, wow. This is what she said, actually, Melissa. She said, wow, Cindy, you've gained weight. And I know who says that. (laughs) First of all, let's put that on a bumper sticker. Don't say that to women, right? Um, (laughs) Or anyone, anyone. Don't lead with um, that, certainly. No, right, right. Um, And so then I remember getting into my truck after we set our pleasantries and set up a lunch date and got into my truck. And I just said to myself, so what you going to do, girlfriend? What you going to do? And I realized at that moment that I had a choice. We always have a choice. And I could allow what this woman said to take me down a whole spiral staircase going downward of unhealthy choices and thought and decisions and behaviors. Or I could choose to stand on the truth of God's word. And a quote that came to mind, it's one of my favorite quotes. It's by um, the author Kelly Minter. Mm -hmm. And she says this, Satan will tell you what's true, but he never tells you the truth. And I like to think of the truth, the capital T truth from God's word. And, and I thought about that quote at that moment. Satan will tell you what's true, but he never tells you the truth. And I thought, you know what? It's true. It's true that I've gained weight. The last time that she saw me, I was probably 25 pounds thinner and I wasn't healthy. I was going to the gym twice every day and really had become an idol in my life. But it's true. It's true that I have gained weight. That's true. But the capital T truth is that I am accepted just the way that I am, that God sees me as beautiful, that he has chosen me, that I am handpicked, that I am a dearly loved daughter, that I am enough, period. And I just went down this list from A to Z, the truth of who God says that I am. And to me, that was kind of a defining moment because I was I was faced with this lie and a decision. And um, I'm thankful that in that moment, I could go to the truth of who God says that I am. Yes. And I love, especially that you have that um, truth firmly in your heart and you can live that out in front of your girls because raising girls, the age of ours, like I have a 13 year old and um, the messages that they're getting from the world about what their body should look like and how they should dress and the messages that they send to the world are toxic. And 
for you to be able to model and for me to be able to model to our daughters, we're perfect just the way we are. This is how Mm -hmm. God made us. He is pleased with us. And I think that's such a powerful message to send to girls. Absolutely. And I appreciate that word that you shared, Melissa, toxic, Mm -hmm. because that does describe our culture right now. I mean, I, I would think that many of us in our age would say it was not easy being a girl growing up, but I think it's all been amplified times 10 when you add social media and Netflix and all of the messages that are screaming at our girls today. For it sure. is not easy to, to live set apart in, in our culture today and to stand on truth when the world shouts all of the ways that you are not enough. So it's a decision that all of us, especially our girls, have to make each day. Yes, exactly. And, you know, organizations like GEMS provide an environment where girls can make friends that aren't toxic. And I think that's truly important, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And mentors, too, mm-hmm. that can share examples. Um, I just think mentoring makes such a huge difference. And we need those faith role models. And sometimes for girls to have a safe place, if, if home isn't a safe place, or let's be honest, sometimes there's things that your mom has said to you 15 times, but when you hear it from someone else, it just sounds like, oh, right. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And so in the last 10 years, you've launched a child out into the world. Tell us what that is like. It is hard. It is, <laughs> it is so hard. Yes, my son, Jake. My eldest son, my firstborn, whom I love, he now is adulting in Phoenix, Arizona. So he graduated from high school in 2012. He went to a local Christian college here and played hockey for four years, graduated, now has a real job. And it is not easy. I think the hardest part was when he went from high school to college. And again, he went to college in our town. (laughs) I just wasn't prepared. I always thought I'm raising my kids to have roots and wings. So, you know, there comes a time, fly, little birdie, fly. And when my son flew the nest, I I wept. And I'm normally not a huge crier. And I remember one time sitting on my bathroom floor, crying my eyes out. And my youngest daughter came and was like, mom, and she had my Bible. Mom, do you need your Bible? And I remember thinking like, I need the Lord Jesus Christ in my bathroom right next to me right now. Like I need him. It was, it was very difficult. And there is a book that was very helpful to me called Give Them Wings. And someone mentioned it to me and you can really start reading it your child's junior year, I think in high school. And I, I wish that I had read it sooner because I was not prepared for the launch, but um, I was able to get through it. Um, but wow, it is not easy. Yeah, I, I've gone through it a couple of times now myself. And while I love having adult kids, there's just there is something special about the conversations you can have and the relationship you can have with an adult child. But the actual mm-hmm. leaving the nest is just it's just, I think it's a life change. Like it's just a completely mm-hmm. different way of life and it takes some serious getting used to. Mm-hmm. What are some ways that you stay connected with Jake? Um, you know, when he was in town, one of the things that really helped us is we started to have breakfast every Wednesday morning together. We have a favorite local breakfast place called Wolfgang's and he didn't have classes on Wednesday morning. 
And so we had breakfast our Wednesdays at Wolfgang's. And that was very helpful to both of us, I think, Mm -hmm. because we knew we would, we had that consistent time together. And I remember one time, one of my girlfriends said, you know, it's been a couple months now. I wonder, does Jake still want to have breakfast with you? Maybe you should give him an out. And I was like, oh, I guess so. And so I said to him at our next breakfast, like, Jake, do do you want to not do this anymore? We could go to once a month or we don't even have to do this at all. He's like, mom, I love Wednesdays at Wolfgang. What are you talking about? That's awesome. And, And so I think what I learned from that is just having that consistent time to touch base is very helpful. So now that he lives in Arizona and I'm in Michigan, every Sunday, that's our time to connect for sure. You know, he lives a full life. Talk about with time change. I'm running around with my other kids with hockey or volleyball or just life. And so it's it's hard for us to time, find a time to connect during the week. Um, but for us to know every Sunday we connect and, and figuring out what works for each child. I'm kind of a texter these days. I guess I'm like my kids. I just like sending texts. Mm-hmm. But my son, Jake, really enjoys that time on the phone. So carving out that time where we can actually have a real conversation is great. And then figuring out ways that we can spend face-to-face time. So we were able to find some really cheap airline tickets. So we just came back from seeing him. So just a week ago, I was with him for four days. That was fantastic. But making sure that in the course of a year or two, we're building out that time Mm -hmm. where we can go and visit and and spend time in his world too. So I think being intentional Probably that's the key of, of, of life, Jesus, and being intentional, but figuring out what works for each child and then what works for the stage of life. Yeah. And and probably if we do this again in 10 years, Melissa, it'll be interesting <laughs> <laughs> because I need to heed my own advice because soon I'll be launching three more. In rapid succession. Because, yes. So my husband and I already talk about, wow, our life is going to look different because I have a daughter who is a freshman, a daughter who is a sophomore, and a son who is a junior right now. So yeah, five years from now, you might find me back on the bathroom floor. You're going to have whiplash. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, but God gets us through. He does. So tell me, um, with all the different roles that you balance, this is a question I like to ask women. How do you maintain your sense of Cindy and your sense of self with all the different Um, demands of your time and energy? That is a great question. I I think being intentional again and figuring out those things that really matter and building it into my schedule and cherishing it and protecting it. For example, I have some dear girlfriends and we just were like ships passing in the night and texts are nice, but it's not the same as sharing a cup of coffee with someone. And so we just decided that we are going to get together once a month on a Saturday morning for breakfast, and we are going to make this happen. And same thing with my, my dear friend, Julie, my best friend, like carving out that time that we, we, we just have to put it on the calendar. And I think it means saying no to really good things. And that's hard for me. I don't like disappointing people. And I think because I didn't work outside of the home for so many years, it's a big switch for me now to have a full-time like office job. So I can't just have coffee with everybody or I can't uh, um, help the ways that I wish that I could, but I have recognized that every decision that I make, every yes that I say to someone is really a no to my personal self-care. Mm-hmm. It's a no to my family. It's a no to some of the other people in my community and maybe their voices aren't as loud 
because they know of the full life that I leave. So I think it's just being intentional and putting myself into my calendar and then making it happen. Like a simple thing right now, I'm trying to make sure I get my 10,000 steps in every day because with having an office job, it's easy to think, wow, it was a full day and my steps are like 400 steps right. or something, <laughs> right? Like, why am I so tired? But right now, just saying, you know what, every single day I'm going to get my steps in. So even yesterday as we were traveling and flying home, my daughters and I, we were walking up and down Terminal A in Detroit, just trying to make sure I get my steps. So it's figuring out ahead of time those things that really matter and then being very intentional, building them into the schedule and protecting them and guarding them because things will always come up. Those urgent things will come up, but you have to prioritize those things that are most sacred. Otherwise I end up feeling like roadkill and then I'm not useful to anyone. Exactly. Yes. Such a good point. So tell me, um, what are you watching? What are you listening to and what are you reading these days? Oh, great. All great questions. What am I watching? You know, um, I'm not a huge TV watcher, but I, I do enjoy a little American Idol now and then. Mm-hmm. I, think it, it think, I think it's because I root for the underdog and I just love seeing people step out of their comfort zone. So that's something if I'm going to watch a little bit of not mind-numbing TV, probably American Idol will be something. With my girls, of course, they are all about Marie Kondo tidying up. So... <laughs> Um, so they, if we're going to watch Netflix together, we, that's what we watch. I'm hoping that they will soon apply the principles and I've given them permission to tidy up our garage and our basement and and everything (laughs) else that needs tidying up right now. Listening. I just love worship music. I'm not a huge, huge podcaster. I listen to them when I can. I'm intentional about the ones that I listen to, but it's not like I listen to the same five every single week. I just love in those quiet moments, just to have some good worship music going, um, probably Elevation or Hillsong, some of the worship music that I really appreciate, mm-hmm. anything that just brings me into the presence of Jesus. And then what am I reading? The Bible. Um, I love, love, love God's word. And then I'm just a, a crazy reader. So I always am reading probably about five books at the same time. I think we had 12 books in my suitcase when I just went on spring break. Wow. I love, I I love, um, but I start with God's word. I I have to root myself in God's word and a book, um, a Bible study that I'm reading along with my scripture these days is by Wendy Blight. Uh You are loved, love the inscribed line from Thomas Nelson. And so you are loved is a journey through first John. And it's such a fantastic study. Um, But then I love to read leadership books. I love to read books on girls today. So I'm reading Dana Gresh, Lies Young Girls Believe, both the book for girls and the mom study guide. That's fantastic. Um, And then I love prayer books. I I love reading books from the saints of old that just fire me up about um, what it looks like to live an authentic prayer life where you really believe that God is who he says that he is and will do what he says that he will do. And so I usually try to have a book going on prayer at the same time as well. That's awesome. I am a one book at a time kind of girl. And you're not the first person that has, has told me that they read so many at a time. And I wish that I could, because I think I would get a lot more read if I did it that way. You probably retain a lot more than I do. My husband is the same. He, I drive him crazy because he likes to, oh, to read a book from beginning to end. 
and I've already moved on to like eight books. <laughs> <laughs> but he can remember exactly what the quote was and where you'll find it, like on page 24. <laughs> and I'm like, I remember in this one leadership book, I read this, something like this. And I'm trying to Google to see if I can find the quote and who said that. So God wires us all different. So do you, um, it sounds like you guys definitely have different personalities. Do you know what your Enneagram number is? Seven. A seven, I figure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And how about for you? <laughs> I'm a one. Okay. Love some ones. Yep. Very different. <laughs> um, I have, I call my seven friends my fun friends because um, Enneagram ones aren't necessarily very fun because we're so concerned about doing things the right way and following the rules and um so yeah, I always say that I need sevens and, and nines in my life because they, mm. um, mm-hmm. they're my fun friends. Mm-hmm. So well, you, yes, in, call me anytime, Melissa, you want to have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> I still get up there to Grand Rapids to see you sometime. It's still on the invitation. My, is always open. Still on my to-do list for sure. <laughs> um, so in the last few minutes, just looking down the pike, um, you've already identified one major transition you'll go through in the next several years with your kids um, growing up, but what else do you, um, hope for and, and wish for in the years to come? I, I hope that 10 years from now, I will look more and more like Jesus than I do today. And, um, you know, there's a quote that someone said, you know, we don't know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. Mm -hmm. And I think after having gone through some of the tragedy in my life, I really um, know each day things can change and we don't know what the future holds, but we, we do know the heart of the one who holds the future. And so I hope that in the future, God will keep shaping me and refining me into a woman that looks like him. And I hope for this season while I met Gems, that he would use my leadership and the amazing staff that he has brought together to change the world for our girls. And we have some exciting things coming up. We were in the process of creating an app so we can reach even more girls. And we have a new curriculum coming out this summer called Loved Period so that we can help every single girl know the truth that they are loved, period. And they don't have to put a question mark where God has clearly put a period. And so I hope that he will use me every ounce of my life to change this generation for good. And he's the one that does it. You know, I'm just a willing vessel, but I love when he redeems my story and redeems my past and my pain for his kingdom purposes. Nothing brings me greater joy than to know my own children and the children of this generation are walking in truth. Hmm, That's awesome. How about for, um, your family? What are your goals for your family over the next 10 years as you launch those kids into adulthood as well? I hope that they find their God-given purpose and are able to use their, their passions and their skills for whatever kingdom assignment he has given to them. And it, it's, it's a hard thing because I, even while we were on vacation, you know, I'm talking to my daughters about what they might do in the future. And I'm quick to speak in to say, well, what about this? But I really want God's voice to be so loud in their life and that they would do whatever it is that he has called them to do. I hope they love Jesus with their whole life and their whole heart. And um, I hope that they walk about in truth, the capital T truth. And I hope my marriage 
it's um <laughs> it's stronger than ever my husband and I are excited that we'll be able to do things that we you know when we had four kids so close together you know three in diapers for a season there were things that we put on hold and so now it's like wow five years from now we we could <laughs> we could do a lot of different things so I hope my marriage is stronger than ever too as we really um, discover what it looks like to live with an empty nest. Yes. Mike and I have those same conversations. Our youngest is in eighth grade now. And so we're like in the next five years, like it's going to just be me and you, babe. And <laughs> that you're right. Like it opens up so many doors of what we could do and stuff, but it's also makes you a little wistful at the same time. Yes. Well, Cindy, I'm so glad that we had the chance to chat today. I thank you for coming on and uh, my prayer will be for all of those, uh, hopes and wishes of yours to come true. Thank you, Melissa. Always a joy to connect with you. I'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye. I don't know about you, but I enjoyed that interview with Cindy so much. The way she follows where she feels God is leading her is inspiring. Be sure to subscribe to the SOS podcast so you don't miss a single episode. Next week, I'm talking with author and speaker Stacy Thacker. Her book, Fresh Out of Amazing, was the focus of an online Bible study I led for foster and adoptive moms last fall. We got so much out of it. Her story of finding hope in the face of very trying circumstances is sure to touch your heart. Until then, go out and write your story.